0: Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire.
1: And I'm Robert Bucciolato.
0: The war between the states, the Civil War from 1861 to 1865, a conflict unprecedented and unparalleled in American history. And Florida was on the losing side of this war as a slave state. They joined the Confederacy following the election of Abraham Lincoln in 1860 uh, Southern Democrats, of course, had walked out of the 1860 Democratic National Convention. John C. Breckinridge, who was the vice president under James Buchanan, a, a, uh, who was pro-slavery, was nominated by the, quote, Southern Democrats. Stephen Douglas was nominated by the Northern Democrats. Breckinridge carried Florida. Abraham Lincoln unified the North. And a Republican won the White House for the first time, which led. Uh, and at the, at that point, the Republican Party is... The, the one unifying principle of the Republicans is that they are against the expansion of slavery. Some were abolitionists, some were not. Some wanted to wipe out slavery. Some actually would tolerate slavery, uh, but did not want the expansion of slavery into the te- territories. Would, would tolerate slavery in the South, where it existed. But at the time, the U.S. was expanding West, Robert, and obviously no Repu- the Republicans were unified in not wanting slavery in places like Kansas and Nebraska, etc. So... January of eighteen sixty-one, we have a secession convention, and secession was called by uh, the convention was called by Governor Madison Perry uh, to secede from the Union. Uh, they there was a statewide election, and they met on January third, eighteen sixty-one, in Tallahassee. Uh, Edwin Ruffin, who is well known, you know the the, the uh, one of the the, the great firebrands in the South from Virginia, he attended the Florida Secession Convention. uh, And the vast majority of the convention members held slaves, uh, even though most of them were not actually born in Florida. Many of them had come from Alabama and Georgia and the Carolinas and had moved into Florida. The, The end result was a 62 to 7 vote to withdraw. So those opposed to secession included... Uh, The uh, great Keith, Richard, uh, Richard Keith call, who was a uh, a conservative, uh, but was uh, uh, someone who, as a conservative, advocated for restraint and judiciousness. The secession vote became known to call. He said, and I quote, and what have you done? You have opened the gates of hell from which shall flow the curses of the damned, which shall sink you to perdition. Uh, Robert, I know you've, you've written a lot uh, mm-hmm. and studied a lot about uh, Governor Call. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Put this in context.
1: Well, um, first off, uh, you, you had mentioned a lot about uh, in the opening of this, about the re- Republican Party. It is um, important to note that when the Republican Party was founded, uh, a huge swath of um, Whigs, former Whigs, that the Whig Party joined the Republican Party, and the Whigs were known as uh, being a party that had a very wide membership. There was conservative Whigs, and there were um, the more sort of, I guess you would say, militant. Wings and the the more anti-slavery wing uh, Whigs and uh, as a result, Call was actually a Whig when he was elected governor and one of the, the chief uh, cornerstones of the Whig party was this very uh, firm belief in nationalism and so that, that was one of the main reasons why so many of them joined the Republicans at the time period. Was because they wanted to stay in the union, even while uh, so many of their members that were more conservative, like a Zachary Taylor,
0: um, were pro slavery. Even Zachary Taylor himself put union before slavery. In fact, I so, think I think yeah. it's it's it, now. Uh, acknowledged by historians that Taylor, even though he was from Virginia and was a slaveholder, was not really sympathetic to the idea of expanding slavery. Yeah. And he probably would have put his foot down uh, and, and maybe stopped uh, the South from getting away with the Compromise of 1850, which Millard Fillmore, his successor after he passed away, uh, went along with, and then uh, Kansas-Nebraska Act and all of this. Uh, real quickly, Robert, I want to read another quote from Governor Call that I've found um, in, in, in actually a uh, kind of an old, old report of mine that I wrote uh, that he okay. had written, he had said before the, the convention that he hoped quote that no attempt will be made to declare Florida a nation alien and foreign to the American people unquote So that 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 sums up uh, calls philosophy
1: And he was um, you know with, without question he was the most prominent, individual in Florida government during his lifetime. I mean, he was revered in the same way we would now revere Graham or ask uh, Askew or, or uh, Le- Leroy Collins. Um, he was a very, very powerful figure. And for the first time in his life, he actually wasn't able to sway public opinion. He was very old. He, he would die the following year. Um, And even even when something like segregation passed in the state, because keep in mind, you know, this was still a, a very primitive state. There wasn't really a lot of places to congregate. Usually when news like this would happen, it would be the Capitol or a courthouse. But they all picked up sticks and they went to his private home, the Grove, which is now a museum here. So even though he, he was no longer in government, even though he had no seat in this uh, secession um, Congress, they still came to him because that was how influential and prominent he was, almost as if they were, they were trying to kind of get him to side with them, you know, to, to sort of, um, ease their guilt about what they had done and um, you know he was vehemently opposed to it and there was um, there was a lot of former Whig uh, politicians still in Florida it was still it had only been a few years since the Whigs uh, dissolved and a lot of them were very pro-nation and, and remained so to this day Many of them would make up the, the nucleus of what would be the uh, carpetbagger Republicans that would pour in during Reconstruction that would follow later on.
0: Yeah, So two both the Florida senators, um, first off, on January 11th, a, a ceremony in Tallahassee marked the signing of the secession document, making Florida a free nation, and we talked about how uh, Governor Call, uh, uh, former Governor Call, had viewed this. Two giants in Florida history are Stephen uh, Mallory, and uh, who was from Key West, and, and, and David uh, Levy-Uli. And uh, those two were representing Florida in the U.S. Senate at the time. Remember, U.S. senators were not directly elected by the people in that era. They were appointed by the state legislature. Both resigned as United States senators immediately after January 11th. Yuli returned to Florida. And Mallory actually headed to uh, Richmond to form the new government uh, to help form the new government of the Confederate States of america uh, at, which then Florida joined uh, uh, for more on Yuli, I, I recorded a podcast uh, last week of uh, uh, flying solo on his railroad ventures, so if you want to know about Yuli the railroad man, you can listen to that podcast that i that I did now let 's talk about Yuli the politician Robert. Uh, <laughs> Giant figure in Florida history, as I talked about on that podcast, uh, uh, the railroad was was his, his baby also. But he became very very important in terms of giving Florida some gravitas within the Confederacy, and in terms of Stephen Mallory, he became a uh, an important part of the uh, uh, of the uh, Confederate government.
1: Well, it, he definitely represented uh, Florida. Represented the conf- in the Confederate government a lot more prominent than they have on the national level before or since. Yeah. Um, but he he was a big uh, reason why we were spared a lot of the um, conscription requirements. Him and Governor Milton um, at the time. Uh, He was very uh, prominent, like, um, unfortunately, every single U.S. senator from the South, save one, Andrew um, Johnson, were very prominent in their hometowns and in their home states, rather. And they all resigned and they all went home or they went up to Richmond. And basically anybody from the South that had any pull like him joined the Confederate um, national government in some manner. And this, uh, especially his involvement, this made Florida um, much more trickier for people because he was so wildly popular for so long in the state. And so as, as a result, um, it was almost like an, an extra endorsement for joining the confederacy because i think people kind of take for granted that um all these states when they seceded that they were just they were like oh well we'll just join the confederacy that was still very much up in the air um there was this uh sudden and uh, very calculated move to richmond and it it was basically a whirlwind that all that happened all of a sudden and There is some evidence that if him and other states, uh, U.S. senators, had not done that, that um, Richmond might not have been this uh, prime locale for a new nation to form as the Confederacy was. So um, it was just another situation where even though Florida is usually not given so much in the Civil War, because, you know, we're not a Pennsylvania, we're not a, a Virginia, we're not a Georgia,
0: we still played a huge part. Yeah, and Stephen Mallory, of course, was the Secretary of the Navy uh, mm. f- uh, under Jefferson Davis and nominated by Jefferson Davis to be uh, the Secretary of the Navy after um the newly formed Confederate States of America, the structure was, was partly uh, formed by, uh, by Stephen Mallory, and, and he had served in the U.S. Senate with Jefferson Davis. Uh, and uh, uh, the, um, the other thing about this was that uh, because of states' rights or their claim that they were fighting for states' rights, they had to have a cabinet official from every state. So... Right. Mallory gets a plum appointment and actually, as you said, with conscription and other things, was able to really uh, be be an advocate for Florida. Uh, and uh, uh, he even uh, m- made uh, um, several attempts to get, get vessels for the Confederacy and uh, deal with the European powers. He became very, very prominent uh, kind of uh, – uh, in many ways uh, I wouldn't say the second most important guy behind Jefferson Davis obviously Alexander Stevens was the vice president but he clashed with Davis constantly and there were clashes between Judah Benjamin at times and Jefferson Davis Mallory was much more on the same wavelength uh, as uh, as Jefferson Davis, and obviously after the war, he was imprisoned now in uh, in terms of, in terms of uh, Senator Yulie, Senator Yuley came back to Florida, and I, I, as I said in a previous podcast i 've talked about his his civil war railroad pre Civil War railroad, and then during the Civil War. But Yulie was imprisoned after the war because he helped Jefferson Davis escape. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Judah Benjamin had uh, also escaped to Florida and was hid in the Gamble Mansion, as you know. And uh, that he had been hit, uh, he had been hid by that Governor Allison, who succeeded John Milton. Might be might have been involved in it, uh, uh, as may have Yule. Uh, uh, now, Governor Milton, we have to talk about him.
1: Yeah. So, um, as as some of you who listen might have known, um, I. Uh, wrote a book, Florida Governor's Lasting Legacies. And uh, one of the the things that people who know the governors always like to talk about is Governor John Milton. Um, in terms of mental health, he was probably
0: the most um, un- imbalanced
1: of most of the the governors of uh florida he was a member of uh the secessionist uh uh, house or or congress that took place in tallahassee he uh when he was younger he actually uh, killed a man in cold blood on the street Mm -hmm. over a uh, dispute over um, a girl he was um he was a, a pretty violent guy. He was a very emotional guy when the um, the war was won by the, the north and it seemed like everything was lost. He gave a farewell um, speech in the capital, which um, if you read it, it seems, you know, pretty. It, it seems almost like a cry for help in a way. Um, And then he went home and he he actually resided in um, Jackson County, which is, you know, about an hour or so from from where I'm at in Tallahassee. And the people in Jackson County say that he was just cleaning his gun and it misfired and killed him. And the newspapers reported that he assassinated, that he um, committed suicide. It is usually documented that he did indeed commit suicide based on the the tone, uh, the apocalyptic tone of um, his sort of farewell address. Um, as it was, Tallahassee was the only capital that did not uh, fall to the union. So as a result, uh, they had more time to sort of skedaddle uh, the governor that we had that you had talked about earlier he was um, in the leadership of the legislature um, he was uh, if I'm if I remember correctly I believe he was uh, speaker of the house yeah um, and most of his uh, very brief tenure as acting governor involved uh, hiding himself in lots of Confederate uh, Um, would-be confederate prisoners um, in safe houses throughout the panhandle but uh, Milton was a a very strange man Um, he is is actually the only Florida governor where there is no documentation of his inaugural address um, that it has been lost um, to history as it as it appears Um, it's the only one that the the state doesn't seem to have any access to. Um, but he was a, he was a very strange man. Uh, um, he worked very, very hard to keep the war as far from Florida as possible. Again, um, Florida, like I said, they avoided conscription by being a very big, uh, supplier state. They supplied a lot of, um, not only the food, but a lot of the furnishing that, um, The Confederate Army, like any army, requires to have um, any type of life when you're out on the field. And that was basically his main uh, positive contribution as governor of the state was to do that, and and I'm sure he did in some small way save a, a large number of Floridians, although, as it turned out, not his own.
0: Yeah. And a number of uh, number of arrests after Stephen Mallory was actually caught in LaGrange, Georgia, as he was trying to make his way back from Richmond, and was arrested, taken to Fort La- uh, Lafayette, where he uh, spent 10 months in prison, and was released in March uh, 1866, when uh, Andrew Johnson commuted uh, his sentence. Uh, David Uly, we talked about, he, uh, Jefferson Davis never made it to Florida, but Jefferson Davis's um, belongings had traveled ahead of pres- uh, of the president of the Confederacy, and had ended up at David Eulie's plantation in Alachua County, uh, where uh, de- uh, where Eulie lived. And uh, the Union uh, troops uh, reached Gainesville on May twenty uh, in, in, uh, fifth, and Eulie was arrested uh, and then set free. But then. He was arrested again in June and sent to Fort Pulaski outside Savannah uh, for safekeeping. He, uh, he was not released until uh, his sentence was commuted again and pardoned by Andrew Johnson in March of, uh, of, of 1866, uh, around the same time as Mallory's. Uh, John C. Breckinridge, who we uh, mentioned earlier, had arrived in Gainesville and met with Eulie, reportedly met with Uli on May 22nd. Um, He then asked uh, Captain J.J. Dickinson for help to get him out of uh, the country. And so they retrieved a boat, brought him to Silver Springs. He sailed down the St. John's um, and then uh, by foot made it from the St. John's to the Indian River, which we know will take you out uh, to to the sea. So he sailed down the Indian River, uh, slipped past uh, the blockade, which had been set up by uh, uh, Winfield Scott and the Union Army. Uh, Winfield Scott by this time has, has retired, but in, uh, the blockade was Winfield Scott's idea before the war. By the way, Winfield Scott, I, I don't think it's well-known. He was actually a Virginian, but he was very loyal to the Union, never contemplated yes. joining uh, the Confederacy. In fact, uh, drew up the initial war plans to to uh, crush the Confederacy, including his blockade. So, so Breckinridge makes it to the Bahamas in exile. Judah Benjamin uh, makes his way through uh, through Florida to the Gamble Plantation, which is down near Bradenton on the Manatee River, makes his way into the Gulf of Mexico, uh, to the Bahamas as well. So there were escapes to Florida and Florida was a great wilderness, but Florida's three most po- prominent politicians of the war, two were arrested and the other committed suicide. So that's uh, <laughs> worth remembering. Or, or uh, according to some of the urban legend in Jackson or rural legend, if you want to call it in, in Mariana and Jackson County, he uh, was loading his rifle and it went off. <laughs>
1: you know um, it should be noted when we were discussing when we were sort of blocking this episode we uh, we kind of gave each other a a disclaimer and that was um, basically you know we we need to sort of tread carefully with this topic Uh, and it it is really amazing that um, it has been so long and, uh, it is still such a, a very, uh, fluid situation, um, in a, a, very troubling addition to our national identity, um, civil war and, and slavery. Um, Florida has a, a very, um, odd history during this time period. Um, the, the author of, um, what, what, for a long time, was considered the great American novel, um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, came to Tallahassee, and it was a, a huge thing. It was this ginormous thing. I mean, it, it, it in their eyes, it you know put Tallahassee on the map, and if you were, to, if it had been somebody who had written something like Huck Finn. You know, if it had been Mark Twain that came by, um, we'd probably still be talking about it. You know, the idea of Mark Twain went to the Capitol, you know, it, the bathroom that he used, it would probably have a plaque on it or something.
0: But um, because it's Uncle Tom... It's Harry Beatrice Stone, such, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's um, because, it, because it's Uncle Tom, it, it's an important book, and so it is mentioned but it's also glossed over. Yeah. And that is um, that is the burden
1: of the South in a way, is that um, history did happen, but it's not always the history that um, is convenient. And um, it's still meaningful, it still provides us with, um, like history does in general, with a lot of insight into um, how we're going to Uh, you know move forward but uh, at the same time it was uh, it was a very unusual time for a lot of Floridians and it's a time period that a a lot of Floridians don't like remembering very similar in a way to the 1950s how anybody who was in government in the 1950s or, or early 60s because of segregation because of the kind of line you had to toe to be in public life, they were a little gun shy about talking to about it, and um, I, I've I've always imagined that that is more or less the same thing.
0: That um, in a, in a huge way, uh, I I would imagine that the carpetbaggers of the state probably slept a lot better at night. Yeah, uh, of note, when I was young there used to be lots of uh, bragging about the fact that Tallahassee was never conquered by the union and now, and it was the one capital uh, east of the Mississippi's Confederate capital. that wasn't now it's almost, you can't even talk about it. So as we said, th- these events were so long ago, but there's still such an evolution in how, how we view it. So Robert, thank you once again for that. And we'll be back with another new edition of the Florida history podcast next week.